Hi, and welcome to Steel Wheel Stories. With your host, Chris Jowett and Jake Somerville, where we talk about stories of collecting, restoring, and showing antique tractors and steam engines built before 1930. Join us while we and guests share stories about the hunt, tales of restoring, and memories of enjoying. Steel Wheel Stories is proudly sponsored by Engineers and Engines Magazine. A printed, full-color, bi-monthly magazine for all the steam, gas, tractor, railroad, locomotive, and farm machinery enthusiasts. Call or email Brenda Stamp for your subscription today. Email address brenda at engineersandengines.com or phone number 410-673-2414. Mention Steel Wheel Stories when purchasing and get your first magazine free again episode 15 Kristen hit the record button again but we're back at it there you go luckily we don't we'll have get a guest on yet so it's just you know it's pretty easy to <laughs> fix this screw up here but we'll get it right one of these days one of these days man one i came in days I, I caught jake off guard again and i just went right in it and i didn't even hit the record button but whatever. To try. this is to the try. prime reason why i work on steam engines and i do not do whatever this is for a living i guess <laughs> they would fire me yeah that's all right i i think we kind of do an all right job for a couple of guys that turn wrenches yeah for the couple listeners that we have i guess we haven't heard any we haven't heard anything complaints about it i guess oh not too bad i guess yeah. we're we're do, we're doing the best we can i think yeah, I hope that, you know, I, I guess, you know, I don't know how many new listeners we get that, like, maybe start out at episode one or whatever, and, and I hope that people have realized that, you know, after those, whatever it was, second or third episode, I guess, when we kind of got some audio equipment and that really stepped up. I mean, just for me to listen to it afterwards, man, that really made a big difference, uh, being able to hear us better and clearer and equal sounds and all that kind of stuff. So if you are a new listener, I hope, well, <laughs> I guess you're pretty devoted if you're listening to us by now, but <laughs> thanks for bearing through us through all that stuff. So it's been a ride. It has been a ride. I, you know, I've, I've actually, I was thinking about that. Uh, I went on a, a work trip with my boss here. Uh, I guess it was last week. And uh, on, on our way home, we were just talking about, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And uh, we came across, you know, talking about being on the podcast. And he's like, I didn't know that you did that. Oh, so yeah. him, him and I, uh, you know, we, we tuned into, I don't know. I think we, we turned it on, uh, Gary Fleming's episode, whatever that was episode 13 there. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we listened to that and, you know, he was chiming in here and there and, you know, he kind of thought it, thought it was good and everything, but I have thought a couple of times, like, I wonder if new people, like when they, they come across us, if mm-hmm. they listen to, episode one through whatever we are now 14 i guess i guess this is 15 yeah i don't know uh, i wonder if ever, everybody listens to him i don't know yeah i don't know i mean uh that, that's a good point you know I, it really makes me wonder uh i before we started this podcast i like did a search on spotify or something and was like trying to see like oh, okay surely there's somebody out there that has made a podcast anything from any kind of tractor. I mean, yeah, there's some stuff out there for farming. So there's some tractor, a little bit of tractor stuff, but mostly farming. But like, I was just curious, like has some guy that works on heavy equipment or sawmill stuff or anything like trying to search. I wonder if anybody has found us by searching 
antique tractor stuff or whatever, you know, versus uh, the share stuff we do on Facebook or whatever, you know. I guess if you're that guy, reach out to us and let us know if, if you found out about us in some other way other than, you know, Facebook or something like that. Or or our ad, engine be, ads or something like that, you know that that we need to hear. It would be interesting. We uh, in searching the the podcast there and with my boss the other day, uh, I just like yeah, jump on Spotify quick. And uh, what's what's really cool to me is you as soon as you type in steel, yeah, to to the search bar, it comes up, yeah. and he's like. He's like, holy shit, there it is. Yeah, it didn't used <laughs> to be like that, so you no. know, maybe we're getting places. I don't know, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess we're getting places, yeah, I don't know. Oh. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, I, been another, I guess it's been another few weeks since we released one of these, and it's been uh, another busy few weeks and another couple busy weeks to come, but we're back in the saddle. Yeah, we had uh, our last little steam gathering there, I guess, uh, last weekend uh, down that little port there in Monroe. Uh, it was a it was a neat little event. Uh, I don't know. I guess the crowd wasn't uh, real big, but uh, s- spectators still come up and you know ask us what the things are and what were they used for and kind of the the one hundred and one like you normally get. And yeah. you know, we were able to play play there on the on the dyno for, uh, for the day on Saturday and the morning on Sunday and everything and got everything home Sunday evening. Well, I guess uh, I say that we did, we did, it wasn't a, a perfect ride home. We had a, a blown tire and a, a, a radiator hose go out, uh, hauling some steam engines home there, kind of in our little convoy. We had a couple guys go down, but got everybody fixed back up and back home. And you know, I guess since then we've got stuff cleaned up and put back in a barn. Yeah. I, so that, I mean, I'm not, I don't even know where Monroe, Michigan is other than you kind of told me, but it must've been on a lake somewhere like nearby a lake. I mean, I've seen some, uh, boats and stuff there, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's right, right on, uh, Lake Huron essentially. Uh, it, and it's a, it's a port. So they take in, I think it's all passenger stuff. I don't think it's anything commercial yet, but, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're striving to become more of a commercial, um, uh, port so they can they can take shipments of uh cargo trailers and or cargo uh uh vessels and stuff like that but uh at yeah at the moment it's just just passenger stuff but uh yeah another another friend of ours uh van gasper he's he's actually from monroe he's got a steamboat and he dropped in kind of at the little public uh public area there kind of up the way a little bit and he he run his steamboat in and did a whole bunch of laps around out there in the port and everything and oh, blowing yeah. his whistle out in the middle. It was uh it was pretty neat to see. Yeah, that'd been pretty neat. Something something different for sure. Yeah. And you know, that's something that we haven't really talked about steamboats, but it seems like uh there's there's quite a few people in this in the steam engine hobby that have steamboats. Mm-hmm. And it's uh you know, it's, you know, when it's 90, 95 degrees out, it's not super appealing to go out in the middle of a field and be on the back of a steam engine. Sure. So I do get the, the fascination with steamboats, but man, I don't know. I, it's a I whole other world my, in its own at I, the same time. I know. I, I need a buddy to have one. Yeah. I don't know if I need to own one, but I think a buddy of mine needs to own one. Yeah. I mean, like Dylan, Dylan Connor specifically, like, uh, he needs he needs one again, so we I, can all play. I, I want Dylan to have one in the worst way. So on the, yeah. on them ninety five degree days, we we shut the throttle down out here in the field, and we'll go out on the lake and just yeah. tool around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He needs a captain's hat and the whole nine yards, and we'll just be living life then. 
you hear that, Dylan? <laughs> Justin <laughs> might be mad at us right now, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ignore that, Dylan. Uh. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah, we've been just working away. I don't remember. What, I'm trying to sit here trying to think what uh, what we've done since. I guess we don't. I don't think we've had a show since the last podcast. We got one coming up this weekend, the Lathrop Falls show. Uh, that's just a Friday Saturday thing. Friday's kind of more for the school kids that come in and all that kind of stuff, and then Saturday's the show. And uh, uh, usually we pack up and go home Sunday. It's just a two day thing, kind of a small, you know, final thing for the fall there. But then uh, this this next weekend on the twenty first, we kind of have our open house there at the shop and kind of a big get together and people coming in from out of town and close friends and family and have a shindig there at the at the shop there at Dad's place and. It's all a bunch of logs and run dyno a little bit and no thrashing this year or, or for the past few years, I guess, which I'm not super disappointed about. So <laughs> we uh, uh. got plenty of logs to saw. I got a, my barn I'm building, uh, going to finish the inside, part of the inside with some one by rough sawn lumber. So that's kind of on the docket for uh, sawing, which it'll, it'll take a lot of wood to go around the building. So plenty of one by stuff to saw and, and all and but it's easy to handle and you know it, it seems like if you get some help on a sawmill and you start sawing low boy boards or, or post or something like that you start losing help right away but if you stick to that smaller stuff it seems like guys will stick around for quite a while yeah man i'll tell you what though you get down to that one by stuff and you'll spend you know 45 minutes on a log versus you know oh that's two, for sure yeah you know, two by tens or something you know you can go through a log in oh, yeah. about 10 minutes or something yeah. you know yeah. So looking forward to that, but then that also uh, draws in the winter for us uh, here. Our stuff will start getting put away that next week, and we've already got our first few spells of uh, frost and cold weather, and, uh, you know, it's that time of year. Start uh, putting stuff away and start focusing on some projects for the winter and all that kind of stuff. What uh, What is that first project that's on your list, Chris? Other than finishing my barn, I hope to get the eighteen horse advance in the in my in my new barn uh this winter sometime. Uh you know, it's looking it's looking at right now that I'm I'm just really hoping to have garage doors on by the end of the month and, and the wood stove hooked up so that I can kind of finish uh the shop hopefully throughout the month of December. So I mean honestly, we're probably already into January by the time that steam engine project will start but you know i did i did complete or I, I did do my first repair in the new barn tonight you'd be proud of me really yeah, i haven't heard I, about this yet I, I put the belt back on Haley's vacuum out there earlier tonight you know and it was oh. it wasn't really my first uh picture perfect project that i could think of but uh you know i i have gotten quite a few of my tools out there now i've got a workbench out there to kind of keep my stuff on while i've been working inside and doing some electrical and stuff and my tools for putting the belt on were were out there so it it was the new it was the project for the night me and Sutton tackled that so important nonetheless very very important got to keep the wife happy so. yes sir but yeah, you know, the barn project is hopefully drawing towards a close, but there's still a lot a lot of work to do uh, between now and, and kind of getting the first project tackled, the first project in the shop, but all in good time. Getting pretty pretty excited about it, especially with the few cold spells we've uh, had and hopefully get the wood stove fired up and, you know, you got a warm place to work. There's nothing to complain about then, so. Yeah, we've... Uh... 
we've had our first weekend of uh, tinkering here uh, at our place. Uh, everything's kind of put away and uh, getting back into the swing of working on stuff. And Saturday and Sunday morning, both uh, my most favorite time of uh, of the year is Saturday and Sunday mornings from uh, middle of October all the way through through April. We sit down and we talk about steam engines from. Uh, eight o'clock in the morning till about uh, ten thirty eleven. Anyways, drinking coffee around the wood stove. It's, yeah, uh, that's a good time. Don't get much better than that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I look forward to this time of year every single year. Yeah, and and we've talked, and it sounds like you've already kind of got back into working on your thirty again, uh, thirty horse advance uh, this past weekend, and getting a few things crossed off the list there. Yep, right back at it here, right where I left off. Uh, funny, uh, picked up where I left off. I would have thought some little elves would have been in there and <laughs> kind of fixing some stuff up for me over the winter, but uh, nonetheless, I've got a whole bunch of work ahead of me, and uh, yeah, I'll try to keep everyone kind of up to date here on the on the podcast with some progress and everything, and uh, we'll see how far we get this winter. Your, your dad didn't get ambitious and do anything on his own out on, for you out there or anything like that. Well, I'm gonna. I guess I'll tell it on here. I, I was I was out there working on it, and I I turned around and uh, he's dragging the wood splitter out of the barn, and he's out there s- splitting firewood. Uh, yeah. Not 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 for the winter, but uh, firewood for the steam engines. You know, we've got we've got separate wood. Uh, the good wood stays in the in the shop there, and kind of the junk wood that stays out towards the uh, out in the field there for the steam engines. And that's what he was out doing. He was cutting firewood this weekend while I was working. Yeah. 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 Well, it's need to be done. You at thirty is going to be pretty hungry for some wood when you get her done. Oh boy, that firebox is big. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we'll tight before we're still uh, kind of waiting a minute here before our guest jumps on, but um, kind of give a little bit of introduction. Uh, we have a kind of a friend of ours uh, in the hobby, Josh Ritchie. He's going to be on with us tonight. Um, you know, he he's into the steam hobby, and he'll be glad to tell you tell us everything about it. We hope so. We're looking forward to that. Uh, we, we kind of started uh, reaching out to different guests, like touching in states that we haven't talked to people. That was kind of our excuse for getting Josh on there tonight. And, uh, you know, we, we've known him through the hobby. I've known him through the hobby for, I don't know. I mean, I was sitting there thinking about it. I think the first time I met him in person, there was a Nixon sale out at Baldwin City, Kansas, where they sold, uh, I guess, just two steam engines, 65 case and a, a 16 horse Minneapolis that was at the Hay Machinery Company out there, which the Hay Machinery Company uh, was basically like a junkyard for steam engines and prairie tractors and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so they had had some, well, lots of people had went in there and bought some different stuff over the years, but they had these whole pieces left. Plus they sold a bunch of parts at this sale. And, and there was up and I mean, the last time I was out there, Hey Machinery was probably, oh man, it's probably been at least three or four years or something or other. They have a shop in town, but where the sale was at was outside of town. Uh, but anyways, at their shop in town where basically their salvage yard was and where they had engines stashed at and stuff like that. I mean, they were cleaning up a, a lot there because the oh the, the co-op or whatever that was next to them was wanting to buy the lot from them and different stuff. And, man, I went pillaging through the dumpster. It was there and pulled out like six or seven Rumley uh, belt pulleys and, and some other stuff that was still just, I mean, literally stuff that they had just dug out of the dirt, you know. Uh, Crazy. A lot of like 1020 McCormick stuff floating around there and, and some newer international tractor stuff from, say, the 20s and 
stuff like that. Uh, but anyways, they had the sale out there at Baldwin City, and, and that was kind of the first per- time I'd met Josh in person. Um, I believe he had come down to bid on the 16-horse Minneapolis that was at the sale there, and uh, oh, Wyman's ended up getting that bought, and, and then Josh kind of turned around, and he's like, well, I, the, this is kind of the story that he told me the way I remember it, but he's like, uh, you know, I came down here to buy an engine, so there was that 65, so he bought that, you know, and, and I think he's made some progress on it ever since, but... We'll get him on here and uh, hear stories and, and go from there. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Well, guys, we uh, got Josh Ritchie with us today. And uh, Josh, why don't you just start out and um, tell us who you are, where you're from, and we'll go from there. Uh, well, my name is Josh Ritchie, and uh, I'm up from by Duluth, Minnesota. I live in a little town called Esco. Um, I was, uh, you know, kind of born into the hobby. I always say people ask me how I got into it. My dad, my dad's dad died when he was nine, so he started hanging out with his older brother and some friends, and they were kind of monkeying with some old antique farm equipment in North Esco, and my dad, you know, just kind of hung out with the guys, and uh, they ended up starting a show up here in 1960, it was called the Lake and Harvest Reunion, and he just, you know, he grew up into it too, and then I was born into it me and my sister and my you know i kind of took into it right away and then got obsessed by it Mm -hmm. and my sister not so much but she's you know she helps out too and stuff and so yeah it's just uh like i said i was kind of born into the hobby and it it really sunk in deep with me and i I, you know sure you get invested You guys there. can relate to that oh, too, you know? Absolutely. It's, Big you know, time. Yep. you talk about your sister and kind of being in it, you know, I've, lots of people don't know. I've got, uh, whatever it be, three other brothers and a sister, you know, and I'm really kind of the only one that, uh, is really in depth with it or has anything to do with it much or anything like that. You know, it's just, uh, when I was yep. growing up and being around dad and grandpa is what I wanted to do. And this is what we were doing. And, and at a certain age, man, that steam bug really hit me and that's all I wanted to do, you know? Yeah, right. So, really, really gets us in trouble for future years. That's a fact. That is a fact. <laughs> you know, and as a little kid, my my dad kind of found this little. It was an iron horse, I think, a horse and a half or whatever. You know, kind of a wash machine gas engine. Oh yeah. Him and I put it together. You know, when I was like five years old, and. That was my pride and joy at, you know, at the shows and kind of monkey with that. And then as I got older, um, you know, we had a sawmill at the show and I used to help out on the sawmill. Of course, I was the, being the younger kid, I was the off bear on the mill. And um, I don't know if you guys know Nick Blotty. He has that 18 horse uh, twin cylinder Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Yep, kind of yep. one of kind, lots well, of one of kind, you know. That was sitting there huffing and puffing away, just blowing black smoke out of it. And I just thought, boy, that's cool. That's cooler than hell, you know. And and next thing you know, it, some sparks started flying out, and I got burnt. And I guess I got bit. <laughs> I got bit by the bug. And, <laughs> that was the end of it. So your you so know, your dad next, never had any steam or anything like that growing up, or you were first person that kind of well, took the jump just, into steam. I kind of got. I, I jumped into steam as a little kid, and then I started helping out with Nick mm-hmm. on that return flu, or that, excuse me, that uh, twin cylinder Minneapolis, and 
started learning that and stuff. And then next, you know, Nick was, you know, sending auction bills to my dad. Yeah. You know, to buy a steam engine. And next, you know, we, my dad, my dad bought a little um, K six horse boiler, and we were just kind of monkeying with the stationary steam engines and stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, him and I kind of started doing the steam stuff. And <clears throat> when I got older and better job and started making some money, I you know I bought my first engine in uh, you know two thousand. I think it was two thousand. I bought my first steam engine. What was that? It was a 20 horse, the 19, 1919 20 horse Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I, and that's in my collection now and that'll get passed on to my daughter. Yeah. It, uh, did you have to do a bunch of work to it to get it going as your first engine there or was it already yeah, running? That's the, it, was, it was a, it was a barn find engine, you know, and they kind of listed it as a 1902 and then we got down there and seen it had a butt there strap boiler and stuff and mm-hmm. looked at it more did the seal number configuration and found out you know what year it is and it was just full of you know the raccoons pretty much used it for a toilet and, mm-hmm. um the boiler actually was really good on it and, but it needed everything else so mechanically wise it was okay. It needed a few things, but mainly just flues, cleaning, you know, plumbing and stuff like that. Sure. You know, it wasn't really a, a hardcore restoration. Mm-hmm. Since I've and, known uh, you, you kind of have gotten into like the machine shop side of thing and, and done stuff. Is that something you kind of acquired with doing steam engine stuff or was that? Well, going to, you know, you know, when it growing up, you know, you know, kid, what do you do? You know, growing up in life and being in this hobby, you know, I kind of looked up to these older guys, you know, on the show, a lot of them were machinists or welders and stuff. And mm-hmm. I really kind of took into what the, they were doing on their restoration projects and stuff. And then, you know, finished high school, we, we didn't have a machine shop in high school. So when I went to machinist school, you know, after school, it I was the only one in class that had to start from scratch, but I picked it up right away. But yeah, I, you know, I, I thought, well, you know, I really like this stuff and to restore these things, you, you, you guys know, you gotta, you can't just go to the store and buy stuff. You, you gotta either find it, which it's wore out and, fix it, machine it, mm-hmm. and make it new again, or yeah. start from scratch and make new parts. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So I I kind of, you know, I kind of progressed into that, and, you know, that was going to be a career, and then things in this area didn't really work out for that, so I'm kind of, you know, I'm a heavy equipment operator, but I do machining on the side, and sure. there's, you know, kind of pays for the fun stuff but to fix the stuff here it's either either i hire chris and be broke the rest of my life (laughs) (laughs) or i fix it myself yeah 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 and i kind of know how to do it so and i you know over the years bought tools and set up a shop and Mm -hmm. you know i can pretty much do everything here except uh you know redo a boiler sure 
Yeah, that was yeah. kind of the, my okay. main reason that I got into machining. Uh, we, we had a Votech program uh, that I did my junior and senior year, and because it was kind of the same thing, the guys that my dad was hanging around and the old times, old timers and stuff like that, you know, I kind of, my dad already knew how to weld and, and he was al- already a great welder and, and kind of knew all that kind of stuff, you know, but like my grandpa did a little bit of machining because my great grandpa was a machinist and, and knew, you know, we had a, a mill lay there in the shop and stuff like that. And I just kind of seen it as, you know, model engines at the time when I was younger and stuff like that was like, Oh, I want to build a model. Well, I need to learn how to be a machinist, you know? So that was kind of my main reason that I went to Votech and all that stuff, not really thinking that I was going to make a career out of it per se, but I did for whatever, seven, eight, nine years before, uh, I came to work for my dad and, and just kind of do a little bit of everything now, but you know, uh, it wasn't really an idea for a career at the time, but it was a huge asset to, uh, my family as a hobby and my dad and I as a hobby to be able to do some of that stuff and fix some of that stuff, just like you said, you know? Sure. Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of my projects in vocational school was, you know, making parts for my dad. Yeah. Yeah. I you had, know, I got graded on them and sure. You know, the, the teacher, he, he kind of, you know, there's the Albany show in Minnesota and he was mm-hmm. kind of familiar with that. Knew knew a lot of students that, went to Albany and then also there was the Volks show in St. Stephen. Mm-hmm. He knew some of those students in years past that went through the program and they were doing the same thing. So he kind of recognized some of the stuff. And yeah, of course he gave me, gave me A's on everything, even if it wasn't quite right. <laughs> but. It's kind of, you know, when I was in Votech for it, I don't know how many, if there was, I'm just going to, like, maybe there was 10 kids in, in class there or something rather, junior, senior year or whatever. But, like, out of those 10 kids, like, I think myself and maybe one or two others, like, actually went and did it for a profession or whatever. But basically it was me and one or two others that even gave a shit about being there or wanting to learn any of it, you know. So it was the same kind of thing. We had, uh, I, I had a parts for a, a quarter size of a 20 horse Reeves that a, a friend of my dad's, Mike Parker, was building and kind of showed interest in it. So Mike kind of, you know, helped me do this or helped me do that, or I helped him do this and that. And I was taking that stuff in there. And it was kind of like you said, the teacher was just uh, happy that I was staying busy and doing <clears throat> that kind of stuff and wanted to learn yeah. the stuff, you know, uh, yeah. man, I don't know. Uh, the manual machining world of things of, of kids growing up today. I don't know what the future is for it. Man, the, cre- oh, the creativity, the creativity that you have to have to, to accomplish some of this really awkward machining is, is pretty, pretty unreal. And you really do become kind of a, uh, a jack of all trades when you restore steam engines, because you've got to be a machinist. You've got to be oh, a yeah. fabricator. You've got to be a, a cleaner and yeah. a painter and a woodworker. And you've Pipe just, fitter, you've, I mean, you've got to, you, you name you've it. got to do every, <laughs> you've got to do everything. Right. Yeah. And I've heard some old timers say, and I've picked it up over the years, the hardest part of machining something is how to get that part to stay in the vise. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> or how, yep how, that's how, a fact. How do you machine it, you know? Yeah, some of these oddball castings. You kind of know what you need to do to the part, but how do you get that thing to stay where it needs to be? Yeah. You know, and how in the process of machining it. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you machine something uh, a step ahead of something that affects how you hold that part in for the next process or how you indicate off of what you need to do for the next step. Yeah. You're essentially machining the whole thing in your head before you ever even do anything at all. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it wasn't, well, like when I worked at a machine shop, you know, you'd get a job order and it would, you know, step one, do this, step two, do this, you know, for all the guys that were working in the CNC stuff, you know, and I'm like, well, right, that's right. because them guys out there, they can't figure out how to do that stuff, you know, somebody's got to <laughs> tell them how to do it, you know, but yep. doing, doing one-off parts on a steam engine or whatever, you know, it's just, uh, you know. And it, the, the setup time is, you know, what oh, takes yeah. the most, most of oh, it all. Yeah, yeah. And and it for whatever reason it kind of seems like doing the same job is never the same from part to part. Sure. Like you, right. there's just there's just some some little differences between. I don't. I talk about pouring marsh gears. Like we've got a jig set up to to pour marsh gears, but it seems like every single marsh gear that we do is we've got to do something different to hold stuff in place, and it's. It's just interesting to me that you, yeah, you got to figure out how to how to accomplish your your end goal there, and you got to be really creative to do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's a it's another world of of machining, and and it's it's kind of funny at the same time. Like, not all guys that own steam engines have gone through and done things like say the three of us right here, you know, or whatever. I mean. Hell, I get people show up to shop every day with different stuff, you know, and, and they're bringing it there for a reason. It's because they don't have the ability or don't have the know-how or don't have the machinery to do it or whatever, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just a whole other thing, different world. Yeah, and a lot of these older job shops are, you know, father and pops or mm-hmm. son and, you know, dad and son places are shutting their doors. Yeah, you know? yeah right, right. And Nobody taking I've no- actually... And it's just not an antique machining here, you know, fixing some old, you know, farmer stuff around here. There's been shops around here that won't touch it because mm-hmm. the, the, they just, uh, we don't know how to do that. Or sure. If we can't stick it in the CNC mill, we're not going to do it. Yeah. Yep. I've been pretty fortunate to kind of build a relationship with a gear shop that's kind of near me, you know, cause like gear cutting is like a whole nother thing of its own. It's like, I've never really like put a lot of thought into gear making and gear cutting and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, then that's, you brought that up, you know, I kind of was seeing something on Facebook today. I was looking on, you know, a gear hub mm-hmm. and, I wish they, we just kind of touched bases in school on, you know, cutting gears and mm-hmm. we just did a simple gear cut, but man, boy, I wish I would have learned more in gear cutting because that's becoming a lost art. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. And, big time. Uh, yeah. This, the shop that I'm talking actually, about. In, no, go ahead. The shop that I'm talking about, they were basically, uh, I believe it was third generation and, and I become pretty good friends with the guy and he recently just sold the shop out, but he, he still works there for now. And, uh, I remember the first couple of times I was in there doing stuff, you know, and, and, you know, once he got to know me and, and the interest in it and stuff like that, you know, he kind of took me around the shop and, you know, yeah, I feel like I'm a pretty proficient machinist, but I came out of there feeling like a complete dumbass, you know, I just, <laughs> the way he was talking about things, it, cause it's just so second nature to him, you know, right? and it's like, wow, man, I don't, I don't know anything about this stuff for, practically, you know. Uh, right. it, it's, it's, it's a crazy world, that gear cutting stuff. And I, that's all that that shop does is gear cutting, broaching and keying basically, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, they, yeah, they have mills and lays, but it's for the purpose to get to the point of gear cutting for the most part, you know? Uh, yeah. it's just, man, that's, it's, it's a d- different world for sure. And like up in this area here, I don't, I only know one shop up here that would do, you know, some kind of bigger gear cutting. Mm-hmm. 
otherwise it you know could be me but i i just you know i don't have the cutters and sure don't want to spend several several thousand dollars on cutters here oh yeah right right you know to cut a couple gears here and there mm-hmm. even that yeah. even that guy i mean they had a bunch of cutters obviously because that's what they did but like they even rented cutters for different special jobs and i had to make yeah. some uh i don't remember if I think it was when I had to make some uh, helical cut gears for uh, oil pump drives on like Holt 75s and stuff like that. And he was like, oh, we'll we'll call this place and we'll rent this cutter, you know. And it's like, man, that's pretty, you know, specific stuff when you got it. When this big gear shop that has this whole tool room full of uh, gear cutters, you know, they don't have that one specific one. But you're able to rent it because it's that damn expensive that that's how they have to do it. They can't afford to go buy it, even a big shop like that, just to do this one job, you know. Right, right. It's neat, but it's it's not for me, I don't think. Yeah. So after your twenty horse Minneapolis, what was uh what was next after that, or where where did you go in the hobby after that? Well, you know, as growing up, I kind of got in the gas engines a little bit, you know. And um, when I was thirteen, I bought my little, I bought a little third three horse Hercules, mm-hmm. and that's that's completely restored still in the in the collection here and when i was in my later teens i you know i bought a you know i like john deers you know <laughs> mr green but, uh, <laughs> everybody's got to have a few yeah everybody yeah i got i got too many of them now but uh <laughs> you know i bought a 1940 john deere d from my old guy kind of north of here and he just you know he had a heart attack and he's it's a hand start and he's like i can't start anymore and, I need to sell it to a younger kid. And he wanted quite a bit, you know, pretty good chunk of money for it. It was restored and stuff when I went up there. And he actually lowered the price big time just because he wanted me to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. actually, this was, you know, I was, this was probably, I don't know, I maybe, well, I think I'm old, <laughs> you know, maybe 30, 30 years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. I bought this tractor and I actually ran into this guy last summer and we, I know it was, it's been sitting in the shed here for quite a few years. I just haven't had it to the show. That's just on the road for me. But, uh, I brought it out this year because John Deere, the D was hundred years old this year mm-hmm. for, you know, 1923. Yeah. And I had it there and that guy was there and he's seen, it. he's like, boy, and I felt just embarrassed as heck because it had been sitting in the shed. And I, I washed it, but it was oily and it kind of faded and stuff. And sure. when I bought it from him, it was pretty pristine. But see, when I bought it, we, you know, we put it to work. I plowed with it. We ran it on a sawmill. I use it on the sawmill here every now and then if I got enough gas <laughs> around. Because, you know, those things are five gallons an hour. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you're working them hard. Or more. That's something I've never done is and, seen uh, somebody saw with a John Deere 60, I guess. Or, a, sorry, a John Deere D. Oh, it's actually, they, for what they are, they saw pretty good. You really? Because they got a really long stroke. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they just, uh, you, you get into that, get into that log and it just, they just hammered out and mm-hmm. they go to work. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. What were they uh, rated at? Like fifteen thirty or something? I don't want to interrupt the story here, but I was just curious. Well, I can't they, remember. they had boy, they they got like four different ratings, and I think 
they started out as just uh geez, I think they were only like a twenty eight horse. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think. And then towards the end there there they were around forty five horse on the belt. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just kinda up the compression a little bit, got a little you know, put more RPM to them. More modern and everything else. Right, right, right. Kind of balance the engine out a little better. Sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, I, I seen him at the show, and he was there, and I felt embarrassed. It was dirty and stuff. But he was he was tickled, smiled ear to ear. He's like, I'm so glad to see you still have that old tractor. And he's like, oh, that's good you're working it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just sat, he said, it just sat in my shed and, Underneath a tarp because I couldn't start it, you know. Sure. But uh, we'll get back into the steam stuff here. How's that? <laughs> no, man, we're, we're happy to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> we're happy to hear any uh, of it. But, uh, but no, I got all kinds of crap in the shed. And, um, you know, me, my dad, he's, we're trying to build a gas engine collection that, you know, the majestic line, they're kind of off for you to John Deere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it all started out. He had a five horse majestic and he restored it, you know, it turned out really nice and stuff. And there's a friend of the family that passed away. He had a 14 horse majestic. And from what I understand, there's only two of them left. There's, there's a gas version, which is, over, I think, in Michigan somewheres, maybe. But the one I have is the the kerosene burner. I bought that, and then I told my dad, I said, tell you what, if if you can find a nine-horse Majestic, which are kind of hard to find, Mm -hmm. I'll buy the seven-horse. Well, sure enough, he found one right away. So (laughs) So I'm I'm actually shopping for a seven-horse Majestic right now. (laughs) Yeah, that. Which there's there's a ton of them around. A lot more common. Right, but we got the 14 horse here, and we're slowly picking away at that other projects. And um, you guys both know Jared Rubel really well. Mm -hmm. And I got a few I got a few pieces in my collection from him. You know. Last year, I, he had that auction. And they were cleaning house there, and I brought I bought his cross motor case, his his twenty five forty five. Oh yeah, yeah. Tinkered with yep. that and got that run in the summer, and had that at a couple of shows. And you know, a few years ago, when he was alive, he was cleaning house, and he had a portable frick at an auction there, and I bought that. You know, it's it's a twelve horse or. You know, those fricks, they rate them as um, cylinder size, not... Cylinder size, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's basically a 12 horse, 1236 frick. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm a serial number I looked at. It's a 20, you know, it's a 27. It's pretty late, yeah. Yeah, getting up there. Late, late. and you, you guys remember reading the story, Frick, they sold them... They got a serial number when they left the factory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I yep. believe yep. that last Frick that was sold or something, that was in the 30s or something, even yeah, though yeah. it was built in 27. I think they even, like, right. re-serial numbered them when they would, like, go back and get rebuilt, even though it, like, could have been, like, say, a 1910 engine. But if it went back and got oh, rebuilt, okay. when it left again, it got a new serial number or something or other. I right. heard that okay. one other time. Uh, yeah. Is that That's what Frick did that? Yeah. I know, like like Port Port Huron when they went back to the factory, they got a 
they didn't get re-serial numbered, but they got a uh, a Different B tag in front or, of yeah. the yeah. It was like say it was engine number like I don't know what one nine nine five or something like that. Went back to the factory and got reworked or rebabbed or yeah. worked onto it or whatever. It would it would get sent back to the customer or, or resold whatever the deal was with a B uh, in front of it, so it would be B one nine nine five. Uh, just a, yeah. a way to indicate that that was, you know, went back to the factory and had some work done to it. Yeah. Yeah. You could have got on yeah. your local Kelly Blue Book and seen that that was worth more because it had been <laughs> rebuilt at the time or whatever, you know? <laughs> uh, do you guys uh, remember my, there was a, uh, there was a 1965 port here on out Michigan that had the full cab on it. And uh, there was a, it was called Big Bertha. Oh, Jacob, do you remember that thing at all? I, I'm um, trying to John, remember it now. I'd, the guy, I guess the, I don't. the guy passed away. He had a 16 horse and a 19 horse. And uh, John Schrock and Graham Sellers were trying to help sell these engines for this family. Well, anywho, my dad and I went out there. We looked at a, a, a tandem compound, Russell, that was in Michigan somewhere too. Yeah, that yep, guy used yep, to. Yep. That guy used to pull cars apart, or he bragged about pulling cars apart, or something on it. But I don't know. I think looked a little like it needed some work. So we went and looked at this port here on afterwards, and. My yep. dad ended up buying it, and then, of course, we went over to Graham Sellers and toured his place, and um, for some stupid reason, he had a GP John Deere, and I ended up dragging that home, so that is in the collection here, too, so I, I own a tractor <laughs> that Graham Sellers owned. Well, there you go. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was a John Deere GP tractor. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I've funny. had, off, you know, people have offered to buy it from me just because they wanted a GP. And I say, like, well, Graham Sellers on that. Graham Sellers on that one. You can't yeah. have that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was funny you bring up Graham here. Uh, and you may not even know this, Josh, but you and Graham have something else in common. That Graham Sellers got into this hobby. And there are a lot of people that don't really know that. Graham got into this hobby pretty late. Graham Sellers didn't come right into this hobby and own steam engines. That's that's not how he started coming around. He started coming around because he was a gas engine guy. He owned oh. little horse and a half and three horse gas engines. That's that's how he got into this hobby. He was a big really, big, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. He was a uh, uh, dairy farmer there, and uh, he he got into gas engines. They're kind of midlife. And that's how he got into this hobby was was through uh, through gas engines, hitting mess engines. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's huh. just a lot of people don't know that uh, because uh, I mean, f once he got into steam engines, it was it was pretty much steam engines full bore, and he kind of kind of took it to the the next level there. But no uh, more messing yeah, around. He, yeah, yeah, he he started in gas engines. When you hear his name, huh. that's what you think of as a steam guy, not a gas engine guy, for sure. Right, yep. right, right, you know. Yeah. You got to all get started huh. somehow. I mean, essentially, that's kind of how my dad and grandpa got into it. Just had a couple gas engines, started going to the shows, but my dad's focus was always on, you know, steam engines or whatever, you know, and that's uh, that's how they got started in it and all that kind of stuff. You got to start right, somewhere, you know. You, know? you can't just, yeah, I don't, I guess I can't think of anybody really that, 
I know that just jumped into Steam right off the bat. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but everybody, you know, unless it was in there, I, I guess I should say that anybody that was, say, fresh in the hobby or whatever, like my, my grandpa and dad didn't get into it to the 60s or whatever. I mean, some people, yeah, they were into it before that because it was in their history or whatever, you know, but... Uh, yeah. You know, some people, they started, most people, they started in a smaller way than just having a steam engine, you know. You know, I wanted to jump into steam engines right away, kind of, sort of, but, it, you know, there's that that expense there that, sure. you know, oh, yeah. being 12 years old, I couldn't really buy a steam engine right off the bat, mowing grass and stuff for old ladies' yards and stuff. It, you know, the money wasn't there. Sure. Right. Yeah, it's it's not a cheap hobby, but you know it's kind of once you get into it and you and you do it a few times, then it seems like the next one's not as big as a milestone as the first one or whatever. You know, the first right, one right. is definitely the first one is by far, and I mean by a long far, yeah. the hardest. Yeah, that is the hardest one. Yeah, it, it it like you said, yeah, it was. You know, you know, and the the second one was easier, and then it. After that, I just say, oh, well, I guess I'm buying another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, was, I was telling Jake earlier, I was like, the first time I met Josh in person was down there at Baldwin City at that auction they had, you know, and I was like, I'm pretty sure he went down there to buy that 16-horse Minneapolis, but then that sold for a bunch of money, and Wyman's bought it there, you know, and I was like, I, I'm pretty sure his comment was, I came down here by a steam engine, so I bought that 65, you know, and I don't know if that's the, what you had initially planned on or what everything was there, but that's that was the first time I remember meeting you down there. Well, we can touch bases on that since we talk. You know, that's the next next engine we can talk about. But that, that that's still here. It's it's well. I've been buying parts from you. You know, Chris. You know, mm-hmm. valves for it. Sure. It's slowly coming together. You know, finally. It just they 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 ran that engine. The boiler's really good on it. I actually got really good pressure on it. And uh, but they the last. I don't know, I guess a few years or more, they just didn't believe in oil or just they just ran it mm. to get something done. And sure. they wore everything out on it. You know, the only good thing mechanically on it is the, the cylinder and piston were in good shape yet. Uh, the, the crosshead's good, you know, and the valve. Mm-hmm. And, the, well, and the governor's okay, but everything else completely wore out. Mm-hmm. You know, the gears are still good yet. You know, they got good teeth on the gears, but, you know, everything, uh, the innards, you know, the differential is completely shot and nothing busted, but just like I said, they didn't, they didn't oil nothing. They just wore everything out. Yeah. Everything needs a little bit of attention. Yeah. And uh, so that's been uh, just, go ahead. What, uh, what's the serial number on that 65? Do you remember off the top of your head? Boy, you caught me off guard here. It's a it's an early fourteen. Early and fourteen. I, oh, that's that's early then. Yeah. I I looked. I kind of I got a serial uh I got a serial number list of case builds in that year, and it's not too far away from Sean Jacobson's, you know, triple riveted lap sixty five. Yeah, yeah. It's. It's it's an early fourteen. I, I I think I looked it up. It was in the first or second batch of butt straps they were making for the sixty five. 
I see. In that year. Is, Cause I, is, I, is it the, go ahead. Uh, I guess, is it the, the butt strap that everybody would be familiar with or, you know, uh, Randy Shreen had a, a 65 that had a, I guess, Chris, you can correct me. I guess I would call that like a two-row butt strap, and a, a normal 65 would be a three-row butt strap. Yeah, like the bobtail that he had or whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah that, yeah. that was a okay. really goofy, goofy butt strap. That, okay, yeah, that would be goofy. No, this is the three-row. The normal three-row, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'd see later on. Yep. Hmm. And I almost want to say in 14 they made two batches, and I think this one's one's in the second batch in 14. I see. I'd, I'd have to look that stuff up again now. I can't remember offhand. Sure. Yeah, I was trying to – Dad and I were talking the other day, and we were like, man, how long ago was that sale? And I was like, man, now. I mean, thinking back, I mean, that had to have been – was it 11, 12 years ago or something? I know it's been over 10 years ago. I think it was in 2012. Okay. So 11 years ago or so now. Because my, my daughter, she's 13 now, and she was like two or something. She was – I remember getting at home, and I got a picture of her, and I – standing on the front wheel and she was just a little good little sure. gopher but uh back you know i i went down there to buy the the minneapolis and mm-hmm. we got there early we all we ut'd the minneapolis and that you know that was a decent boiler and stuff and since we were there a friend of mine was kind of interested in the 65 but he wasn't sure if he was you know going to pull the trigger or not so sure. we checked it out and i crawled in there and it's like, boy, that thing's uh, that thing's in pretty good shape, you know. And I thought, well, you know, the Minneapolis went for more than what I wanted to spend, so I thought, well, since I'm here, I'll bid sure. on the sixty-five. You know, I kind of was looking at my buddy, are you interested or not? And he just was kind of him and on, and I'll just I'll bid on it, and if it goes for too much, I'll let it go, and I actually got it fairly cheap and. It, uh, I don't know, I guess it's... Yeah, that was well worth the... Well, I think my dad was, like, literally, like, inkling seconds away from bidding there on it or whatever, and I think he looked over and seen you bidding on it, and I was like, well, he came all the way down here, he might as well get the decent <laughs> deal, because, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a pretty decent deal at the time, and I kind of remember yeah. s- sitting there and, like, uh, nobody was bidding on the thing, you know, or whatever the deal was at the time, you know, uh, it, it really decent deal, especially well, looking then- back now. Well, and, you know, I kind of heard from somebody else that, you know, he went that high on that Minneapolis. Is he going that high on this thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I think my dad did say that <laughs> also. Yeah, he was like, well, there ain't no sense <laughs> of bending against him. You know, I don't remember what the Minneapolis sold for. is like 62.5 or something or other. I think Green's a bell. I don't remember, but, uh yeah. We're not gonna go there, but <laughs> yeah, I I, I remember. I, I think I kind of remember Dad saying that. Now you say that he's like, "Well, he went that high over there. I ain't gonna go that high here." So <laughs> we'll just end it I'm right gonna, here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see Wyman's this weekend, so we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 engine still comes up in our conversation. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of funny, you know. They hauled it all the way home to Minnesota, and then it ended up back in my place there for a little while, and we did yeah. some repairs on it, and. Then all the way back to Minnesota and made a couple of round trips there. Yeah, they they got they got a lot of money in that thing, but it turned out into a sweetheart, you know. Oh yeah, I I yeah. really hope to get ours done someday. It's uh it's on the list here one day that we'll uh 
get to it, you know, but 16 horse Minneapolis, that's, that's a pretty neat engine. Uh, yeah, you, you guys tried selling me that thing out in the parking lot too. Yeah, I think so. You know, at the time dad owned that with a partner. <laughs> yeah. At the time dad owned that with a partner and, uh, you know, looking back at, uh, I, I'm, there was a couple times that he thought about selling it, but I, I'm glad we kept it around. I think that'll make a nice, neat engine. And then, uh, yeah. And then Chris Wyman tried to sell me the 16th he bought down there, too, on the parking lot, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't remember where the bidding started, but where it ended up, it did not take very long to get there. You know, it, it was one of them auction no, deals, you know. He, he's like, he was yelling at me out in the parking lot. I said, I don't want to bid that much. Let's. Do you want it now or what? You know, and I said, sure. no, I got the better engine in the long run here. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of grumbled and walked away. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We we stayed friends after that, though. I think it was... Uh... I, I blame all that on Jared. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Jared Rubel, oh, yeah. He's, he, was, he was talking that engine up to both of us and didn't, <laughs> didn't say to either one that... You know, he didn't tell Chris I was bidding on it, and he didn't tell me that Chris was bidding on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, I man. thought for a while, I thought, you know, that maybe Jared was going down there to buy that thing, but it sounded like, I don't know that he had his bot at that time, did he? No, he did not, yeah. but he had he had his in the works. Sure. Before that, but it was a secret, and yeah, yeah. I, I think he's. Yeah. I think he sealed the deal on that one after that auction. He had came by our and place. Jared, Jared, Jared actually did say he's like, hey, you know, he's like, I don't mean to say this, but uh, you know, I'll see how far you go, and if you peter out, I'll yeah. take over after you. Yeah, yeah. And then mm-hmm, once mm-hmm. we got up to where we are, I, I looked at Jared. And I said. Well, I was waiting for you to take over, and he just shook his head and he said, "No, you guys, that's all yours now." Yeah, <laughs> he had stopped by the play, uh, house there, the shop there, uh, the day before that auction on Friday or something, and and, yeah. and I kind of remember him making the mention. He's like, "Ah, there's a couple people that are kind of interested in that, and you know, and this and that." And he he made it sound on Friday like he wasn't going to have anything to do with bidding on. He acted like he had he had a home picked out already, you know. Yeah, he did, and he was kind of secretive about it, and I get it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I talked to him on the phone beforehand, too, saying I was interested in that, and mm-hmm. he said he, he wouldn't bid against me, but maybe take over when I quit. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty fun auction. There was a there was a lot of neat stuff there, and uh, I don't know, I well... You don't see a ton of auctions like that anymore nowadays, and the the stuff right. out there. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, after that auction, I'm sitting here trying to think. Of like the last auction, I mean, like when uh, Nolan's had that sale out in Illinois. I mean, that was a good auction with some stuff sitting around there and stuff yep. like that. You know, I mean, uh, I can't think of here in the last ten, fifteen years any other auctions that were really like that. You know. Well, there oh, was Dennis, the Graham's auction and Dennis's. I mean, yeah, more recent. Den, Dennis yeah, Graham's I mean, there's a few, there. but less, I mean, a handful, really. Yeah, not and, that many. You know, not that many. Sure. Another engine I got from Kansas there, which I, after the 65, I said, I'm not buying anything that far south again. You know, <laughs> I, I got that 25 nickels and Shepard yeah. from Ed Larson auction. Yeah, I'm, you yeah. got stopped by the shop there on your way down there to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Here, I thought you were a Minneapolis guy this whole time, you know, and then you were sneaking down there to look at that thing. (laughs) 
I, you know, back to, you know, my, well, my second engine was uh, a 20 horse Nichols and Shepard uh-huh. that came out of yeah. Sheldon, Illinois. And that, that used to be, that was shown in was, uh, Michigan at one time too. I'm, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Um, that's a neat, in, that's that one that you sold here a year or two ago, right? Yeah, yeah, that broke my heart to sell it, but I just, I sold that last summer, and then I had a 22 Minneapolis I got from Langebox. I had that mm-hmm. for quite a while, too, and mm-hmm. I just, working on, you know, you guys know steam engines, they require work uh, yearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, every year I had to work on one of them, and I could never get to the 65, and I was like, do I just sell a 65 or fin it? You know, I want to get it going. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just had to let stuff go. I just couldn't keep up. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that's a neat engine. When I seen that Nichols and Shepard for sale, I was like, you know, it, it was different engine, cast iron wheels and all that stuff, you know, and it's like, right. I mean, I don't, I, I don't keep tabs on everything for sure, but you know, it's a very uncommon <laughs> engine to see, uh, very, in yeah. the era that it was and all that. No, you know, with those cast iron wheels, and then the the boiler was shorter on that. The barrel is shorter on that than your your later twenties. Mm-hmm. You know, a little better proportionalized and, in my mind, looking at it. You know, than the well, later stuff. Virtually, it, you know, you know, you look at it, and plus it had the double doors on it. It uh-huh. was it was right. built to be a straw burner. Yeah, that's yep. what it yep. was. You know, and that had the bottom door on it for the chute, mm-hmm. which I, mm-hmm. which I had a plate. You know, I put a plate in it, stuff there. But sure. Yeah, but there no, it was many of them was with a, those cast wheels that are left out there. I guess I, I I guess I maybe know of like maybe three of them or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four. Well, maybe. If you, of that of the twenty horse size. Uh, I guess just I've cast iron wheels and. Cast iron wheels I've in general, seen, I guess, on, on a Nichols engine. Yeah, it seems Graham's, like you see the smaller Graham's, ones. Yeah. Graham Sellers knew of another one just like that one. And, uh, I think Gary Yeager's got pictures of it. It's up in the mountains in Montana. With, you know, the front of the boiler's caved in, but it's it's identical yeah. to that 20 horse. And that's, that's the only one I know of that's like it. Mm-hmm. So virtually, to me, it's one of a kind. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely oddball. Yeah. That, uh, so, so what was the engine after the nickels then you were saying that was your second engine? Is that what you said? That was the second one. And then after that, I bought a 25 horse Minneapolis that came from out by Rolog uh-huh. or Lake park, you know, mm. no, yeah. no, Dylan, he knew where the engine came from and he kind of remembers it as a kid you know, I had that for a while, and uh, needed work, and this that the big nickels and Shepherd came up, and I kind of had a uh, which direction am I going here? So I ended up selling that. Yeah. And actually, that kind of that went back out towards Rolog again, so it's back out in the area where it came from. That big nickels did that the fill your desires there with the big engine there, or what? What was the background of wanting that thing? Well, I always kind of liked the nickels, you know. I, you know, I, they, you know, the engine being reversed on it's kind of different mm-hmm. stuff. And I remember going down to, where the heck show was it? As a kid, going down to Albany, 
you know, they had a twenty-five down there. It's still there, actually. Peter and I still have it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I thought that was kind of neat. Just, you know, a different, you know, oh, something yeah. different. Mm-hmm. And I seen this twenty-five down, and you know, Ed Larson had there, and it uh, had, you know, it's something, something to plow with. Sure. You know. It's a side mount. They ain't the best plow engines, but uh, you know, if you, you get a good built one, you know they'll do what you need to do. Just don't. Yeah, I don't mean, be plowing stumps. Are made for for sure. Absolutely. Right, you know, and I went down there and checked out the boiler, and that actually had a really good boiler on it, and the gearing's really good on it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, we can plow with this, you know, and um, you guys, you guys remember David Fye? From Andover, yeah, I, know, I, yeah, I, I know the name. I guess I, yeah. I, I don't know if I ever met him or not. He's, you know, him and Kevin Anderson. They they built that 110 together. And, okay, yeah. Um, I got to know him a little bit, and he had a, a P&O eight bottom plow, and he was selling something else at his place. I can't remember what it was, and I went with laying a box down there and looking at. Oh, he was. Looking at selling a thirty-five seventy Minneapolis gas tractor, and we were kind of looking there and stuff. And he had this eight-bottom plow sitting outside, and got to talking to him a little bit. And he said, "Josh, you should buy that plow, you know." It's like, "Boy, <laughs> here we go, you know." So <laughs> I ended up buying that plow, and I thought, well, no, I got this plow, and I need a steam engine to pull it, yeah. you know. And yep. The plan was is to get that twenty-five. Minneapolis to pull it, you know, and then that Nichols and Shepard came around, and of course they had the '65 yet, and that was f- far out from getting restored yet, but you know to pull that plow. But I don't know I guess the, I put extensions on the Nichols now, and that's been my main plow engine until I get the '65 finished. Sure, I've got to say that those extensions really they they do something to me i'm a i've said it on here before that i'm a sucker for a a really big side mount and that's a big side mount and then you put extensions on it man that mm-hmm. thing does some that does something to me yeah they're a big wide engine without extensions and slap right. extensions on there it's a, it's a whole different ball game the only problem is uh come end of showtime you got to get it in the shed <laughs> <laughs> pretty much got to you got to Got to butt up the size of the door to get it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and it's that that much more wheel to scrape at the end of the year too. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> and then then hauling the thing too—that's another issue. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What's the what is the the drive wheels on those? Are they twenty six inch wide or are they thirty inch wide? They are twenty four. Those are 24. those are twenty four okay. on that year. But then I've seen. Um, I've seen other 25s with, uh, I think, a 26 on them. I see. Does that then, still have, like, the triple row spoke in it and all that or, stuff? No, this one don't. That one's just double. Okay. I I, I don't know if it was the, a year thing the, or whatever, but I've seen some of them where they had, like, the triple row spoke in them, you know. The, and... the triple rows had the wider wheel on Okay, them. okay. Oh, okay, yep. What uh, what did you what did you end up doing for extensions on that? Did you find a a wheel and cut it in half uh, to make those? Yes, I did. Up or? No, my I found a wheel, a really good wheel. Actually, I got two wheels 
from a from a collector that was over in Wolford, North Dakota. He had a show out there, and they were just kind of sitting in the rock pile there. And I bought bought both wheels, and uh, I cut one wheel, the good wheel, in half, and uh, made spokes for it. And of course, I had to cut the cut the lugs off and then re-rivet them to get some of the spokes in. And mm-hmm. the sure. other wheel that came with it is at the end of my driveway with, uh, you know, what do you, you know, the other guys got those there too, but, you know, we got a little name, last name hanging up on it. And there's a, there's a, of course, there's a gas engine sitting in the middle of it with yeah. a flower pot in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> got to make a noticeable for them, you know, people coming by or, or, or newcomers to the area, they're trying to find you, you know. Well, everybody that drives yeah. by and asks about it, they ask, what the heck is that wheel from? <laughs> they, just, they just don't have a clue. When people, I try to tell them to get to our place or whatever, I was like, well, just turn down the gravel road there. I said, past that point, you can't really miss it. It's the only place with a bunch of steam <laughs> engines, you know? Right. <laughs> Anything on the outlook for the future here? 110. 110. Oh, that's right. I remember yeah, you yeah, rolling. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot see, about that. I that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember you know, I, got, I was at Forest City a couple of years ago, and, and Josh wasn't there. And for whatever reason, they had the, the late engine in the shed still, and they, they brought that early one out that uh, just sold there on auction. And uh, I was, I guess I run it all weekend there with, uh, with Warren and Josh can come down. So, uh, he had, I guess Josh had seen <laughs> some, some videos of me running the thing and I get a, a text from him and you know, later that next week he says, well, did you take care of my baby for me? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, that's funny. You know, yeah, the- I wanted. I wanted that engine and I bid on it, but it just, it, it was, I just couldn't do it, you know, at that time. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Those, yeah, uh, yeah, they, they, you know, and that kind of, you know, that kind of money too, you know, there's, there's better ones out there too. Sure. 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 Yeah. All, in, all in a matter of time, you know, stuff gets freed up and I mean, I don't, that's the one that came out of Georgia's where Jared got that one, wasn't it? Yes. Well, and that wasn't like a ton of right. years ago, you know. He had, I mean, had, did he even own that thing 10 years? Jared? Yeah. Or, uh... I don't think he, I mean, he bought it down there in know, Georgia or no, whatever. I don't, I don't think, think so. Yeah, I mean, no. I don't think he had owned it 10 years or whatever. So, I mean, you know, things pass over time and th- stuff comes up. And Well, that yeah. one was the one that uh, didn't. Didn't John Haley put that together, and then he sold it to to Bud Lang? Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And then uh, I think Craig Dobbins and a few other guys were involved in putting that together. Yeah, yeah. Kind of parts parts from kind of all over the world, as I remember that. Pretty much, like, yep. S- like South America, some of the parts there up in Canada, and kind of all yeah, over. Yeah, that thing was kind of the bastard child of 110. It'd be um, interesting to see a list of remaining 110s that were actually not pieced together. Because I mean, man, a bunch of them built up out of parts and everything else. I mean, nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, a lot of them have been built up like that. Um. I'm- let me do some digging. I think I got a list I could send you. Oh yeah, there's a list out there. Uh, Colin Beamish, he's got a list put together, and it's 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 a pretty good list. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. of what's a, a parts engine and what's our original. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think he just updated one too. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, it probably takes the mark for, you know, a certain size or, or make of an engine that has been built up out of parts out of anything else, you know, uh, yeah. which in every good right and reason for it, I guess too, you know, I mean, it's not like most people are going to buy up a bunch of parts and put a 20 horse reese together or whatever, you know, or just something, you know, pretty common or whatever. But I mean, there's been a, in general, there's been a lot of case engines built up out of parts. I mean, because of the yeah. readily yeah. availability of the stuff, you know, uh, yeah. versus anything yeah. else. I mean, I can, shit, I can probably think of a dozen piece together 45s or 50s or 60s or whatever, you know, uh, that I've seen lately, you know. So it's just uh, the availability of the parts was there and you could find, I mean, I think all of us can agree if, if hunting over a property or finding parts and pieces around, you find case pieces more often than anything else. Right, think, right. Because there was... I, a- I, I, yeah, I think the reason for that is because they were kind of easy to take apart. Because oh, you know the, the the mounting the mounting on those was was not like a is talk about like an advance or a Reeves or something where sure. there's a lot of stuff that's that's bolted to the boiler and things of that nature. You know, yeah, a case engine. I mean, I've taken several of them apart. I mean, you can have a case engine down to the boiler with two other guys with you and you know, two or three days, you could be right down to the boiler. Yeah. I was going to say a day. I mean, we've done it in the shop several times. I mean, it well, goes really, <laughs> really fast, you know? And yeah, I tell people like when we're building case boilers and stuff like that, I was like, shit, by the time I get done with the boiler, I says, the reason the boiler is a little bit more expensive than the rest of them is because we've already done all the remount for you. By the time we get all the wing sheets and everything else on it, you know, I mean, yeah, slap that thing together and you're done, you know, it, yeah. uh, you know, and, you know, for example, like a Minneapolis engines, a lot of those parts were kind of, they were cast, but a lot of holes and mounting stuff were kind of made just for that, that engine, you know, sure. if you, yep. I've, I've gotten parts off, uh, you know, needed parts for that 25 and, you know, some of the stuff didn't quite fit right. I had to do some grinding and kind of hobble the holes out a little sure. bit well, to I'm, get them to well, fit right, you I'm, know. I'm, I'm running into that all over on this 30 horse advance that I'm putting together right now. Mm-hmm. It was the same the yeah. same way. I mean, the, they they didn't necessarily give you a schematic to say, you know, your whole spacing has to be X and Y here. They just said that bracket needs 10 bolts in it. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can look at the case archives of the drawings and everything else. I mean, they were mass producing those things. When they put them engines, they went to the stock room and got this part with this part number because it would fit this one or the next one to it or the next one to it. And yep. it was not that way with other manufacturers at all. You know, I mean, yeah, there's some archives of drawings and different stuff for some other manufacturers, but nothing to the extent that case did, you know. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it uh they uh it was it was a different bird they uh they had their stuff figured out and were definitely putting the things together in mass quantity and it shows you know yeah, 30, yeah. whatever thir- 33,800 and whatever yeah. or 35,800 and whatever steam engines you yeah. know yeah bunch of them yeah it uh it's a uh, it's always neat to somebody uh gathering up parts and putting another one together or whatever but there's always that little bit of story to tell when it comes down to it just like you talking about you know you've collected up a a 
bunch of at 30 horse advance parts here and, and probably know more about different parts and pieces and differences between them. And, you know, I don't know when the next guy's going to come <laughs> along. They might learn the same kind of thing. <laughs> I was just going to say it, it after I'm done with this, it's, it's essentially useless knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell <laughs> you right now, your boy is not going to care or know the differences that, you know, you know, <laughs> and it's well, going to break you right your now heart. <laughs> I can tell you right now that like my wife and my dad and my uncle and everybody, well, hell, even you probably like, you guys just don't care about the level of detail that I've like come well, to understand yeah, I mean, it's all like, this stuff, you know, it's just, it is what it is. When we got done with that big 30 horse Avery a year ago, it was like, I know so much stupid stuff that like, I feel so accomplished right now that I figured this out but I can't talk to anybody about it. You know, it's, it's useless information past this point, you know, but, uh, that's, that's the sickness of the hobby. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, uh, you know, so I guess the, the great search will continue for your 110, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure next time when it comes up on auction, we'll make sure and send you the link, you know? <laughs> All right. Please do it. <laughs> and I guess somewhere in there you built, uh, what do you have, like a quarter size or third size 65 case that you built? Um, uh, yeah, I got a third scale 65 uh-huh. and uh, a, 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 a mentor of mine from, you know, at the, the show up here, kind of grew up with him and he, he had uh, built a couple model trains and stuff and he was getting older in age and had a hard time running the locomotive on this little track. So he asked me to do it. You know, he's like, you got your steam license now. Why don't you run this? And I, you know, I was uh, 18 years old and I said, okay. And at that time he was building this little 65 and he finally got it done and stuff. And he had some issues with the boiler. You know, they, they modeled it off. Uh, you know, it was the reduction engineering Mm-hmm. And that company, mm-hmm. they actually, they're in Beulah, uh, North Dakota now, I think. Uh, his brother started out with that company, and they're out of Duluth, Minnesota. And his name was Ralph Andrews. He, he he came up with, you know, the book and stuff, how to build these models and then the prints and everything. And his brother, Dennis, was the one that built the 65 that I have. Mm-hmm. He built it, and they... They they modeled the boiler off of a locomotive kind of type boiler, which they had because uh, his brother was a railroad guy, and um, they had four different sized tubes in it with a superheater, oh. and then his brother kind of designed the thing to run at 200 psi with propane, while coal fired with these small tubes and bigger tubes. And then the superheater going through it. Just don't work. Um, yeah. No, I just yeah. kind of plugged it up. Mm-hmm. And so he had our time with him. Um, Dennis asked me, he's like, hey, you know, any chance you could help me, you know, cut these flu nests out of these, this boiler and see if we can go with one size tube. And then there were some other things. He, you know, he's getting older in age and stuff. And he asked me if I could give him a hand. And I said, yeah, sure. And we he, he took it apart and slowly started to come up with a plan how to do it. And then all of a sudden he just uh, all of a sudden passed away. And his wife asked me, can you 
finish the project you guys started and then sell the engine for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to sell some of his stuff. And um, I, I just started working on it slowly and I thought, boy, this, this is a cute engine. And, um, you know, he was a big inspiration to me growing up in the hobby. I told her, I said, tell you what, can I just buy it and then I'll finish it in my own time. Sure. And, you know, I ended up having a daughter and I thought, you know, this is going to be her engine. And then I ended up buying the full size 65 and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go through this whole thing, change some stuff on it and I'm going to make it identical to the full size 65. And, um, that's, you know, it took me, I don't know, six years to do it here and there and stuff, but it's done now. And that's, you know, it's got extensions and everything and it, you know, it it looks like a, it's, you know, right to the T pretty much. Yeah. It's a very nice nice looking model. Yeah. I models kind of hold a small piece of my heart and, and, uh, kind of always still have the thoughts of building the model someday. We have a few models of our own already, but, um, you know, it's just, it's a different world of the steam, uh, traction engine stuff, you know, of the models and everything. It takes the right person and, and the right skill ability. And, you know, to really, uh, make a nice model. It, it doesn't, you know, it just, when you get a really nice one, like what you got there, I've seen plenty of pictures of it and all that kind of stuff, man, you really got something. Thank you. No, and, and over the years, you know, my eyesight's going to hell, and it's hard to see that stuff now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those things are so hard to fire. Yeah. If you can fire one of them, you can fire a big steam engine. Oh, no absolutely. Problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they talk about case guys standing on your head, you know, firing just a regular <laughs> case engine. Try, try firing a, a case model. Mm-hmm. If, yep, if you can yep. do that, you're experienced. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember at different shows, you know, when I was a kid, we, we took our models to the shows for the most part before we took our big engines and stuff like that. And, you know, people would walk by and I, I, I had a dollar for every time my dad told uh, somebody, you know, like, hey, you know, like, it's almost easier to work on the big engines than it is these small engines. Yet, you know, parts get smaller and more intricate and harder to work on. And, I mean, that's 100% the truth. I mean... It is way easier to work on a big engine and machine parts and everything else than it is on those models. It is. Yeah. But at, at the same time, you know, we were touching on machining earlier and the manual machinists and everything else and the whole model building thing, man, it's kind of, you know, versus the model, the amount of models that were built in, say, the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s or whatever, you know. I mean, it's, it's definitely gone by the wayside and it's a very small thing of the hobby nowadays of people... Uh, currently building models and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. You know, you know, working on model stuff, my hardest part right now is cutting threads because I just can't see them. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> when I got to go find a tap that's under quarter inch, I mean, I pr- pretty much cringe when I have to get in my 1232s and 1032s. I'm like, I don't even want to mess with that stuff, you know. But, yeah, it's a, it's a thing. You got to get a you got to get a magnifying glass just to read what the tap says. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right? 
what Absolutely. size the tap is. Oh yeah, it's horrible. That's here a while back. We got some different dividing drawers and uh, got big label maker and stuff, and I was able to put all my little taps and drawers that already had the big label on it. So hopefully, I don't have to <laughs> search go. through it as much, you know, because yeah, that stuff is man, it just sucks. <laughs> There's no way around. Yeah. It. <laughs> Well, Josh, we appreciate you joining us tonight and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll just have to have you on again when you buy your 110 and all that stuff and tell us about the story of it and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully not too many years out here. All right. Well, I'm sure you guys will be at the auction when I buy it. So, Well, we'll just have to make a point <laughs> to be there. <laughs> or, or, tell tell uh, us when. Tell uh, us when. Hover it around the computer, right. either one. I don't know which one. <laughs> So, anyway, yeah, it's hard to say when the next one's going to pop up here, but yeah, like I said, I mean, you know, keep your head up and find you. You know, I always tell you know people call every day about an engine or needing this or needing that or whatever, you know. And well, recently, I had a guy that you know he called up and he's like, "Well, I'd like to find an engine or whatever," and he says, "I'd like to spend around this." I was like, "Well, if you're spending around that, like, find something that's just ready to go. Don't don't buy a project. Don't buy something that needs a boiler or whatever." I said, "They're out there. Go find an engine that's ready to go play with, you know, and all that stuff." And yeah, you know, with hundred tens, it's a little bit of a different deal. But you know, they it, it's yeah. like we were talking about Jared. You know, I mean, he didn't even own that one ten years hardly there, and you know, I'm sure it'll be not be too much longer, and maybe another one will pop up. You know. Yeah, you know, and you want to keep this off the record, but, uh, you know, he, he bought that engine because it was going to, too cheap at the auction. Sure. You know, and I was kind of upset about that a little bit because I knew some other people down there that took out a third mortgage on their house just trying to buy it. Sure, sure, sure. yeah. You know, yeah. And, yeah. You know I, I, love, I love Jared to death, but, it, you know, something like that was like, oh, whatever. Sure. Where do I sign the check, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember my dad at the time when that engine was selling, he made the comment. He's like, well, who who else? You know, Jared's already got one is what he said. And he says, well, who else out there is going to buy the next one, you know? And I was like, ah, I think there's always the next guy that wants one or been looking or been waiting, whether he's a diehard seam guy or whether he just wants the big engine, you know? I think there's always the next you know, guy and, that wants one. Yeah. You yeah. know, Warren's always wanted one, too. And, sure. You know, right. you know, that might have been in his price range too, but you know, he had to compete with Jared. You know? Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, that's the way it goes sometimes with buying, especially but at then, an auction. But then know? Warren, Warren also told me, he said, if he spends that much for a steam engine, you know, Suzanne's going to throw him out of the house. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I think we'll also hear and say, you know, we can put Warren up for a few days here and there, you know, we won't. Mind. Yeah. We'll right. put up with him. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, well, we appreciate it and uh, have a good rest of your evening and uh, thanks for joining us and hope you enjoyed it and join us again sometime. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good talking to you. Hope to see you soon in person. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a few years. Yeah, likewise. We need to likewise. get that closed right. up again. Yeah. So. so. All right. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. All right. Yep, thanks. Bye. Yep.